You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On NBA Draft. This is our first episode on YouTube. Joined now, as always, by Leaf Tulin. Leaf, how are you doing today? Doing great. Excited to talk some college basketball and some hoops prospects, as always. And we got an exciting week ahead of us. Yeah, yeah exciting week ahead of us. Exciting week behind us. A lot happened this weekend. We're going to preview Indiana, or excuse me, review Indiana, Purdue, Auburn, Kentucky, and then preview the Big 12 SEC Challenge, and then preview some of the other big games coming up this weekend. But first, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. Thank you for whoever, someone is going to be the first listen to this YouTube channel, first watch ever. Thank you so much for keeping us a part of your day. We really appreciate it. Um, The YouTube is going to be, the YouTube uh, channel, excuse me, uh, is going to be a big part of our future going forward. So really excited to have you on that. If you're listening via podcast still, thank you as always. So Leaf, let's jump right into it. You want to start with Indiana Purdue or Auburn Kentucky? I'm good with either. Two great games. Yeah, let's start with Indiana Purdue. I think that had a little bit of a juicier storyline in it with Trace Jackson Davis only playing 11 minutes, scoring four points. Uh, and this was on January 20th, which now I'm completely lost on my days. I want to say that was Thursday. Not a Saturday game. I know a lot of the games we always talk about are Saturdays. Those are usually the biggest games. Jaden Ivey went for for 21 points, two rebounds, with only one assist, two turnovers on seven of 16, shooting two of six from three. Travion Williams off the bench, 15 minutes, one of four, two points, two assists, two, six rebounds, four turnovers. And then, like I said, Trace Jackson Davis, 11 minutes, took one shot, one rebound, four points, two turnovers. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the energy was a big issue with him, and, and he was sat just for that. For, which is kind of alarming for a guy who plays with so much energy that he got benched for that. So what were some of your takeaways from this game? Oh, man, what a game Rob Finnessy had. He can't, he's been there for a while. He's been the victim of a lot of losses to the Purdue Boilermakers, and he, got, he helped Indiana buck the trend. This was their first win in 10 attempts against the Boilermakers. Uh, they did so in Assembly Hall. But uh, Trace Jackson Davis took a pretty hard fall the game prior. And I think that may have been a contributor in terms of how he struggled early on Um, in this game. I thought what was interesting is the defensive intensity and energy is usually something we've attributed with Indiana in recent years, even under Archie Miller, but they were able to convert that energy into uh, getting steals, getting in passing lanes, getting some early buckets because often the downfall has not been their defense. It's been offense and they held a very good Purdue team. One of the best offenses in the country only 65 points, well under their average, and they limited their best players. I mean, you mentioned it. Jaden Ivey shot fairly well, 7 of 16. Travion Williams only had two points. I mean, he's he's a focal point of their offense. And so without Trace Jackson Davis, they had to be even better defensively and manufacture points elsewhere, and they did, the, did just that. Excuse me. Yeah, and what's even crazier to me is Trace Jackson Davis had two turnovers in 11 minutes. The rest of the team had zero turnovers. Like, there were no turnovers outside of that. They won the turnover battle 13 to two, which is remarkable at any level to turn over the ball that few of the times um, is just insane. So that game was good. What did you think of Jaden Ivey in this one? I don't think it was his best showing necessarily. He shot two of six from three. Um, I think that's the big 
question mark now is how well is he going to shoot the three, especially off the dribble? He's doing better at that. He still had his moments. He got to the paint and had some good passes. He, um, he only had one assist, but I think that wasn't necessarily um, illustrating how impactful his his attacking of the rim is because it kicks the ball out and there's a hockey assist. He, I think he could have played better. Uh, I'd give it like a, a B minus grade. He certainly could have been better, but I don't think he was necessarily um, not playing well. I think Indiana had a game plan for him and what they were able to do, which most teams are not able to do is match the muscle inside against Zach Eady, Travion Williams and not let Travion Williams facilitate. And what stands out to me more than Ivy only having one assist is Travion Williams only having two assists and four turnovers. Yeah, that was big to me too. I mean, Travion Williams is one of the best passing whatever position you want to call him. Uh, in the country, he's a really good passer, and they forced turnovers on him. Like I said, the turnover battle, I will repeat that, the turnover battle mattered a lot in this one. And, and just for, I think this is a good reference point to keep in mind with Jaden Ivey, you said, you know, B minus, great. But that's for Jaden Ivey's standards, right? That's not just like from yeah. an overall. Like Jaden Ivey still had a really good game. Like I said, 21 points. We're not going to just say, like, yeah, that's fine. We're just used to a top five prospect being consistently top five, and, and that's why, just to clarify. Um, any last thoughts on this Indiana game before we move on to Kentucky? I think that Purdue needs to find a way late in games to manufacture better shots. They had they struggled in, against Illinois. They shot a three, and Matt Painter is an offensive guru. Um, think of him kind of similarly to Andy Reid drawing up fun formations near the goal line. At end of game, they come up with great schemes, but I think at a certain point they've overcomplicated it, and they can make it simple. Get the ball to Jaden Ivey and either put a ball screen in with Travion Williams or you go you go five out because that's something that might impede them going forward is that they have these bigs always in. And that's their identity, and they're great at it. But at the end of games, it becomes complicated and convoluted. They have too many bodies inside. And I think for the team that has the aspirations to be a national championship contender, final four contender, they'll have to sort out some end-of-game woes that they've had so far. I know they were able to sneak out that win in Champaign against Illinois, but so far in close games, they haven't necessarily been as good as I think they can be. Yeah, that's fair. I think the Big Ten is just going to be a giant uh, mess, for better words. Uh, It's going to be the Big Ten tournament I'm very excited for. I think there will obviously be multiple teams in in the NCAA tournament from the Big Ten. Um, so moving over to Kentucky-Auburn, the big storyline in this one beyond some big individual games is that Ty Ty Washington got hurt nine minutes into this one. He had four points, one steal, one assist on two of four, but hopefully the more important picture is hopefully he's back pretty soon, doesn't miss extended amount of time. Um, I, I knew he had gotten hurt, so I zoomed right past that part in the rewatch, uh, on the replay, excuse me. So I, I don't know, you saw it. How serious was that injury? Do you think it uh, – Amateur doctor goggles go on. What do you think? Like, is it something yeah, I don't wanna, concerned about? I don't want to speculate on an injury. Uh, he was limping severely after twisting his ankle. Um, you don't know if it's a sprain. I, I doubt it was broken because he was able to put some weight on it, but he was limping. Um, but the grand scheme of things is what you mentioned is how, how impactful is this one? We talk about draft a lot, his draft stock. I don't think that'll be altered by this. But for Kentucky, they were beating Auburn, who's now number one in the country, um by eight or nine early and when he got hurt i think the game it didn't immediately switch but eventually you realize that kentucky didn't have the same create uh, creation ability like the game became more stagnant for, on the offensive end for kentucky and they had to work so much harder to create offense whereas he's just got this innate gift to read the game get in dangerous areas and create for himself and others 
And while Severe Wheeler had a nice game, he had 17 points, four assists. When Ty Ty Washington plays, the rest of the Kentucky team is able to get so many more easy shots and he can create for himself as well. So one, I was impressed with Kentucky then. And then once the, the game started to shift in favor of Auburn, I was very impressed by the amount of players that they can play without losing ability. We talk about eight deep for Baylor all the time. Auburn's the same way. And wow, Jabari Smith has some flashes. Yeah, I mean, Ty Ty, like you said, the best thing about him is just how much better he makes his teammates, especially guys like Oscar Tashibwe, who still had a great game without um, Ty Ty of Washington. He still had 16 points, 14 rebounds, four blocks, two, two steals, one assist on 7 of 12 shooting. Did just fine. But imagine that game with Ty Ty Washington. It's probably not a nine-point loss like it was. So Ty Ty Washington, I know for – I'm speaking for both of us. I know he has climbed a lot over the last month. He's personally in my top 10. I imagine he's in yours, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, and I I really like him. On the other side of the ball, I kind of, I really – or excuse me, the other side of the court, I really wanted to talk about Jabari Smith. Like, you, you brought up he had a great game. I think this might have been one of his best games of the year, and he only had 14 points, seven rebounds, two assists, one steal, two block on 50% shooting, but – Every single stat that I just read was an impressive version of those stats. It wasn't like a you know wide open transition dunk for any of those. It wasn't anything like that. He had to work for those, and the shots he took were tough. He made them. He proved he can. I I don't know about you. I haven't seen a player hit the shots off balance the way he does. He can like he can literally have his feet facing complete wrong way like this. When the basket is here, it doesn't matter. He's still going to get his elbow facing the the rim. Like he can adjust in any way. The offense is spectacular. He even had some nice assists, and he only had two, but he had a couple of nice passes in there as well. Yeah, it was. I was thrilled by his shot creation. We we all know he can shoot the ball. He went one of four from three, but I don't think that's necessarily indicative of the shots he took. He took a couple face up ones that we've seen him make. Hit one really tough one early over Keon Brooks. The play I was most impressed with. There was two of them, and they were late in the second half, which is when it matters most. Uh, Kentucky started to mount a run. And they went to Jabari Smith isolated on the right elbow. And he took one dribble to his side, eluded a double team that was coming and shot a pull-up jump shot that I don't think more than three players in the entire country can do, if that. And he drained it. And then on the other side, whether it was the next possession or two possessions later, he shuffled his feet beautifully, walled up and blocked a shot out of bounds and was pumped up. And then that next possession, they finished out the possession with the three left on the clock and he got the rebound. Um, he had two blocks, two steals, and he, he was unbelievable uh, on both ends of the ball. And one thing I would love him to do is I'd love him to pump fake on a couple of those face-up jab step threes. He pump fakes. People are going to bite. They're not that disciplined. And he's going to get to the rim and get to the free throw line where he's excellent. Dude, you hit everything on the head. I mean, I was going to bring up he had a shot. Like I said, every make I think he took that he made, every shot he made, even every shot he took was an NBA-level shot. It was the pump, he had one actually that it, I was very impressed by, the pump fake. He went up with it, did a, you know, took one dribble, went up, like, all the way up. Like, he, he has, he, the ball starts high. Like, it starts at his chest, which is very beneficial to him being 6'10". And he goes up, does the little pump fake. The guy, just, I think it was Keon Brooks, just flies past him. Easy money. Makes the shot. And then, yeah, the, the shot over the double team was, I mean, I tweeted it out yesterday, like, there are probably three players, like you said, in the entire country that could hit it. And one of the others is Paolo. And then there's probably some seasoned veteran that could hit that that may not be a prospect or something like that. The, the company is great. 
And then on defense, the active hands. He's always had active hands, but especially against Kentucky, I feel like it was really on display. He was he was swiping. He was getting all ball every single time, no fouls. And there was one where I saw uh, he ripped – I want to say it was to Shibway. He rips to Shibway. And you might have, this might have been the one you were talking about where he slaps it out. They recover, and then he goes up for the block, all in one possession. And, and I think the next play he gets the rebound. It was remarkable. It was definitely one of his best outings. I don't care that it was a mundane statistical performance. The Every stat he recorded was just super impressive, and it, it passed through the eye test A+. Plus. So um, any final takeaways from the Auburn-Kentucky game before we go ahead and preview the SEC Big 12 Challenge? I think they're both Elite Eight solid and maybe both Final Four good. Yeah, I agree. The SEC is stacked. I, I love it. I mean, we talked about – how many good players there are. There's also a ton of good teams. So uh, we'll get to the SEC Big 12 challenge after this. That is, you know, a little bit of foreshadowing there, talking about how good the SEC is. But first, let me tell you about prize picks. You've been hearing me tell you about prize picks for months. Have you signed up yet? If you haven't, now is the perfect time. For a limited time only, um, for a limited time only, excuse me, prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer offer for all of our users. Users get $50 free and the player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point, but you must use code MBA. Uh, you get $50 free. That's right. It's exclusive offer for locked on fans only who use code NBA prize picks has the best NBA daily fantasy sports game prop game on the market. And they offer more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players and the obscure players we're talking about on this show. Price pick offers any prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made, anything you can think of, you've got it. Um, excuse me. Go, go to pricepicks.com today or go to your app store and download the app. All users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get $50 for free if you first your first price pick entry scores a single point. That's right. All users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get $50 for free if your first prize pick entry scores a single point. Prize pick is a daily fantasy made easy. All right, welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. Joined as always now with new co-host Leaf Tulin. And also, if you're watching this on YouTube, our first YouTube episode, last week I hyped up Leaf's background. He has a nasty Vince Carter retro jersey and a sick Donovan Mitchell poster. I'm a huge Donovan Mitchell fan. That's how I literally stuck uh, on Twitter was by hitting on Donovan Mitchell, uh, hitting on his draft stock. I did not go up to him at a bar or something like that. But uh, <laughs> if you're able to see that, you get to see the sick backdrop. I'm trying to match him as sick as my curtains are in this one, this one baseball right here. <laughs> Doesn't exactly live up, live up to it. I'm trying to match him and, you know, move on from this set. But – Let's talk about the SEC Big 12 Challenge coming up. I'll go ahead and read off the slate, and then I'll let you, Leaf, uh, go ahead and break down some of the big matchups you're looking for. Baylor, Alabama, Missouri, Iowa State, Kentucky, Kansas seems like a staple at this point. Any of the they're always facing each other. Kansas State, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, Auburn, Oklahoma State at Florida, LSU, TCU, Tennessee, Texas, Mississippi at Texas Tech, and West Virginia at Arkansas. So go ahead, talk about some of the matchups that really intrigue you. Yeah, I think the first two that stick out to me are Baylor at Alabama. Alabama entered the season as a top 10 caliber team. 
um, according to most. And right now are out of the rankings. They're doing, they're doing well though. Um, and they're a dangerous team. They were able to push Auburn who's now number one in the country to a, a nail biter. And then the other one is Kansas and Kentucky. That's usually the champions classic once every couple of years. Uh, I'll start with uh, um, the Kansas and Kentucky one, because I think, I think this game is a statement game for both teams. And I wish Ty Ty Washington were a certainty to play uh, where I think he's probably doubtful. Kansas is now in the top five and they're starting to play better. Jalen Wilson is a, he's a borderline prospect as well. You've got Oshai Ogbaje, who we've, we're both very high on. Christian Brown is climbing up boards. And, but as a holistic standpoint, they're playing their best basketball. They had, they came back and had a strong bounce back second half against Kansas state, uh, avoiding a scare upset there. They're playing better teams in the big 12 and they play Texas tech, but earlier in the week before they play Kentucky, I think this is a huge week for the Kansas basketball program, Kentucky just came off losing to the number one team in the nation, gave them a fight, especially when they were fully healthy, look to see if they can rebound. And then as for Baylor and Alabama, I think the guards, the guards, are the biggest thing. I always say this last year, my claim to fame was that Baylor was going to win and it wasn't going to be close because their guards were significantly better than Gonzaga's. I love Andrew Nemhar, but Davion Mitchell, um, Jared Butler, and Macy Oteague, not to mention Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer off the bench were significantly better this year. Alabama's got the most talented guards in the country, but I don't think they coexist as a unit as well as Baylor's. And so that's a huge battle to me. And right now I, I don't know who's favored in that game, but I expect that to be a great game because Baylor's not playing their best right now. Alabama's starting to play better after a little slow patch. And I expect both of those games I just highlighted to be phenomenal. Yeah. I, I echo all of that. I don't think there's a single bad matchup. Uh, a couple that are standing out to me, are Oklahoma, Auburn, um, Oklahoma has a killer defense. I mean, they suffocate you. They make you work for every single shot you take. And I think that's going to be a big test for uh, Jabari Smith. Obviously, this kind of applies a little bit more to their guards. I think they have one of the better better wing and guard backcourts defensively in the country. Not so much the front court, front court hit or miss at times. But so Jabari Smith is going to have a, not the hardest time. But some of the guards on there like Wendell Green, Katie Johnson, those guys will get a good test. Um, another game that really stands out to me, I'll be at this one, LSU-TCU. TCU is climbing right now just from a college basketball standpoint. I love the matchup. And a really good draft matchup I'm looking forward to is two LSU players going against one because they'll be on-off rotating back and forth. Tari Eason versus Chuck O'Bannon, then Alex Fudge versus Chuck O'Bannon. Uh, Chuck O'Bannon, for those who don't know, really athletic, really good defender, really good cutter and finisher, has a successful three-point shot. I'm not going to say it's necessarily good because the form is very unconventional, uh, but that's going to be a good matchup. And then TCU, I mean, Mike Miles seems to show up for the big games, even though he's slumping a little bit right now. He's been very inconsistent from game to game. He does show up to the big ones, it seems, and I think he's got a big test against LSU. I don't know how good their guard defense is off the top of my head, but those are the two games that really stand out to me. Again, there's really no bad matchups, but uh, any other matchups you wanted to talk about in the SEC Big 12 Challenge? I think those are the main ones. And I will say that the Mike Miles, uh, this is a big litmus test for him because Eric Gaines of LSU is a pest defensively, and he, he'll he likely draw the assignment. And LSU's got a lot of long, really athletic players, and they get in passing lanes at a very high level. So we'll see his playmaking and ball security. And this will be a big game for him to have a good offensive output. Yeah, that's a good point. I knew there was an LSU guard that was a good defender, and I, I just could not think of it on the top, off the top of my head. Yes, Eric Gaines, 
versus Mike Miles is one of the most underrated draft prospect matchups this entire weekend, and let alone in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Uh, there's obviously some other games. I guess one other thing I'm looking forward to, and here I'll, I'll touch on uh, this one, is West Virginia, Arkansas. I'm a big Taz Sherman fan. He's been slumping also a little bit since conference play started. Still is a scoring machine. Really excited to see how he and G J.D. Note face off against each other. I think that's a good matchup if you're interested in a potential high-scoring game between two guards, at least not necessarily team scoring, but two individual scores. That's a good matchup to watch. Um, so that is the SEC Big 12 challenge. Uh, when we come back, we will talk about the rest of the games across the entire country. Some big games today on Tuesday to watch for or tonight. Uh, but first, Bet Online is back and – Bet Online wants to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year, new updated desktop and mobile site to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use promo code locked on, and that's one word L O C K E D O N to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, potentially baseball if the lockout ever ends to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Back with Leaf Tuline. Sorry about that. Some technical issues on, on our end. Um, back with Leaf Tuline. So we are going to preview some of the biggest games of the, of the weekend and the college week. Leaf, let's go ahead and uh, talk to me about some of the games heading on tonight. Tonight is a, a fabulous day. I think the first one that sticks out to me is the Pac-12 matchup. There aren't very many times where we're excited about Pac-12 play. Uh, Arizona is heading to Poly Pavilion to play UCLA. While I'm not certain there will be fans in Poly, I, all fans of college basketball should watch this game. This is for Pac-12 supremacy. Uh, this is for Pac-12 supremacy. Arizona is ranked third in the country. UCLA is ranked seventh. I believe this is going to be the best game in the Pac-12 all year. I expect this one to be super close. Dave Pash and Bill Walton on the call. Uh, this is a great litmus test for scoring guards. We talked about that a moment ago. Uh, Benedict Matherin versus Johnny Juzang. Jaime Hawkes will probably be guarding Matherin would be my guess. Christian Coloco um, will also have a chance to show what he's made of, and I've seen him in the first round of some drafts. And then the other game that I'm intrigued by today is Michigan State and Illinois. Um, they're, they're built on physicality, but both teams are kind of playing quicker this year. Kofi in the middle against a very thin Marcus Bingham, but he's a defensive impact. And then there's a couple sleeper guards. Uh, Max Christie we talked about last week. Great shooter, freshman. Uh, he's climbing. And then we've got some veterans, Trent Frazier uh, for Illinois. Andre Corbello's back for Illinois. And then on Michigan State, You've got Marble, uh, you've got Brown, and you've got Malik Hall, some, some grizzled Big Ten vets. So I'm excited for a nice docket of basketball tonight. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go ahead and look forward to the weekend. I'll let you add some games uh, in between. So I'll start with Thursday. You've got Wisconsin, and uh, let me see who's at home. I know it's Wisconsin and Nebraska. I think it's actually that way. Nebraska is at home. And that's Bryce McGowan's a freshman potential second-round prospect versus Johnny Davis at likely lottery prospects. So that'll be a really good matchup for both guys. It'll be pretty telling. I think it's their first one of the year, first face up, uh, first matchup, excuse me, of the year. And then another one on Saturday that really intrigues me 
Miami versus Georgia Tech. Obviously, again, I am a Miami fan in case you are unaware. Um, but I am very excited to see after how Isaiah Wong has just been playing so well for the last about a month. Him versus Michael DeVoe. That's a battle of two fringe draftable guys right now. Michael DeVoe continues to produce. I personally don't have him as draftable, but there are a lot of people that do see him that way. Him versus Isaiah Wong is a really good matchup, and they're pretty different. Isaiah Wong's that great space creator, athletic, explosive, goes to the rim, not a great shooter, whereas DeVoe isn't that explosive and likes to shoot threes, distributes a little bit more. So it'll be a good matchup, I think, watching those two face off. So what are some games all you take at home for the rest of the week or weekend that you're watching that are not from the SEC Big 12 Challenge that we previously went over? Yeah, those two are the biggest ones for Saturday that we talked about for the SEC Big 12. But I've got one more between some ranked teams that I think both will really want to win after not playing their best basketball recently. That's number 16, Ohio State, at number, number six, Purdue. Purdue, we mentioned, fell to Indiana. They redeemed themselves and beat Northwestern handily. Ohio State lost recently to Wisconsin, and I think that they believe they're better than what they showed on that day. They lost by 10 at Wisconsin. Ohio State's got EJ Liddell, who is a very versatile. Some people have him in their first round, a small forward, power forward mold, who's filling out the box score in a way that I would compare him to Paul Millsap would be the first one that comes to my mind. Um, if you want to watch him, he's a very fun watch, uh, potential All-American. And then, of course, we talked about Jaden Ivey, Travion Williams, Zach Eady. This is a matchup that I think will be interesting. The uh, the Boilermakers are back in Mackey, and I think they'll defend their home court and win this one. But Ohio State's very tough, and uh, Holtman, head coach for Ohio State, is one of the more underrated in-game adjustment guys or pre-game adjustment guys. And I think he'll make life harder on the Purdue bigs than you'd anticipate for a guy whose centers are about 6'8". Hey, well, there you have it. That is this week's NCAA preview uh, and SEC Big 12 challenge preview, as well as a recap of a couple big games this week in Indiana, Purdue, and Kentucky, Auburn. Leaf, tell everyone where they can find you as the new co-host of Locked on NBA Draft and send us home. Yeah, um, at my name, Leaf Tulane, as you can see on here, is my Twitter. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to be on here, and I'll be talking draft. If you ever want to hear college basketball takes, I'll likely be do, posting those and tweeting those a lot. So uh, please give me a follow, and, and hopefully you enjoy a ton of college basketball and NBA draft updates. Yeah, give Leaf a follow as uh, Locked On NBA Draft continues to grow. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday again on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. And thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Thanks and have a good rest of your day. Enjoy college basketball tonight.